Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome in, friends, to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Chris Welsh, joined by Brandon Funston and Jake Seeley. Today on the episode, we are talking draft strategies. This is a very interesting, fun episode because I do believe there's also a point where people go, what are you talking about? Draft strategies. I just draft the best players and I go. I draft on the fly. I draft for need. Well, there are some strategies out there. There are some approaches that people take, and we are going to discuss those today. Mr. Jake Seeley, you have the, speaking of strategies, you have the flex leagues that are coming up and filling. I want to give a little plug to what's coming up here in the very near future because we've got live drafts and online drafts and uh, all of us will be taking part in it. Yeah, the Fantasy League of Experts uh, coined by our friend David Ganos, who's now retired from the industry, but uh, in the Hall of Fame, he made the Hall of Fame and then retired, right, Funston? <laughs> so there, there we go. Coined by him, but just basically the kind of, it's an experts league. I hate that name. I, yeah, I could probably hear it in my voice, but it's more about getting together and seeing people that you've never seen maybe in person, actually get to see them once a year and hang out live in New York. You've got to make it out there one year, but you're on the online ones. I know it's tough travel, but basically you get to see what we're doing. We draft live on Sirius XM. So it kicks off the fantasy draft season because it's the very first week in August every single year for the live ones. And then the online ones will kind of show the middle of the draft season, what maybe have changed in two or three weeks. So yeah, that's what it is. It's just really to see what we would actually do. The quote, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, but also the biggest thing is just like, this is the one time a year I get to see Faustin. That's most important. That's right. right. Well, we're seeing each other right now, but like you could actually touch me if you wanted to. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Nicole might, Nicole might not like that anymore. If I <laughs> exactly. Do that. <laughs> well, come oh, yeah. pick me up. <laughs> I, I love, I love going out and hanging out with the gang. I hate the flight from Seattle to New York though. Um, but I don't blame it. It's something that I'm willing to do to. <laughs> I experienced the one to Portland for the first time ever. So I like, I understand. I definitely get you. Exactly. Well, now I'm extra jealous of you monsters here all going out to New York. That is a, that is definitely a bucket list thing. I've never been on the East coast. I want to go to New York. Everybody is pressuring me and it's like, okay, well just let's get me out there. Sometime I will do it. But also what intertwines in this is that is an element of that strategy. People are trying to figure out how do I want to approach drafts? Well, you get to see all industry experts, you know, the experts leagues, as you call it, Jake, and you go out there and you get to see what everybody is doing, though there is a tiny little bit of a wrinkle is there's lots of flex spots as you feel that is the way that we should go. And you're not wrong about it. I love all the flex, the flexies and super flex and all that type of stuff, right? Lots of flexing. Yeah, that's what I that was actually my, my buddy, close friend of mine, is the one that joked me. I found out I had shoulder surgery, and he's like, well, flexing on Twitter all the time will do that to you. So <laughs> but it comes down to it is, it's it's hashtag ban kickers. This is the, the, the epitome of fantasy football is get rid of kickers, but add the flex spot instead. So now you're not sitting there in every single waiver week be like, wow, look at all these options I have. And the people who kind of casually play can find options every single week. You make the pool shallower 
for replacements, which makes the strategy more important, which makes the drafting more important, the roster management more important, is even if you want to play with kickers, like, look, do your own thing. Like, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world. But if you want to play with them, if you enjoy it, go ahead and do it. If you want to play with three defenses, I don't care. But point being, at least add another flex. Like, play with three wide receivers, two running backs, and add another flex just to kind of shallow out that pool and add to the depth of your roster already. What do you do when you're thinking about strategy? What does that do when you add in the the extra flex? So it's like my, the standard is, you know, like two running back, three wide receiver, simply do two wide receiver with a flex. And if you're adding another flex, do you think it opens up draft strategies or do you think it tightens draft strategies because you now have this open spot, which is theoretically going to be used by a wide receiver running back. But do you think that adjusts and makes it a lot more tight in what you need to do in your construction? It, it makes yeah, their strat- the, the drafting on the fly kind of like you said that, like, you know, I just draft on the fly, but drafting on the fly versus like that, your that's your strategy versus drafting on the fly. Being able to adjust is probably the better word to say adjusting on the fly. Uh, that plays a bigger importance, especially because if you're on the turn, runs start happening, you can be like, you know what? I'm going to play five wide receivers every single week because that's what fantasy football is these days anyway. Or you can be like, screw you guys. I'm going to destroy the running back position. I'm going to lock in 10 points at four different positions, 10 to 20 points every single week. I'm going to run out four running backs and only three wide receivers. You can do either. We've had people in the flex leagues run two tight ends every single week. The year that Waller broke out, as was Waller and I forget who his other tight end was, but it was just two tight ends. So it just opens up where it also helps you avoid getting caught as well. Like, you you know, you get caught in runs, and it's like, man, now I have to take the third wide receiver who's in tier seven just so I have one versus, you know, you'd be like, hey, guess what? I, I kind of can pivot and add somebody to my flex spot and take a better value. Yeah, I would chime in here just really quick because I think – I think it's, you know, the example that I would use is like, I don't know if you guys are doing Scott Fishbowl this week, but like I had a situation (laughs) where I had taken Josh Jacobs at running back and I had taken Cooper Cup. And when it came back to me, um, I had my choice of Ramondre Stevenson or Chris Olave. That was the running back and the wide receiver I was looking at. Now, in, in my heart, I wanted Ramondre Stevenson, but filling a second running back spot wasn't as important as filling the second wide receiver spot with three wide receiver spots at the start. So in Jake's world where it's a lot, the flex for flexibility, I just take Ramondre Stevenson because you don't have to worry about that. And I, I like that a lot. Back in the early days of my fantasy leagues that I would run, we had a very rigid system, but it was kind of fun. We could do three running backs and two tight ends, one running back and four wide receivers or Pro set, which was two running backs and two. So you're running out formation. So we were running formation. You got a fullback. You draft. So if someone was drafting tight ends early, we knew they were declaring. They we called it the wishbone. The three running back, two tight end was the wishbone. And if you ran one running back and four wide receivers, you're going run and shoot. But the way they were drafting early, we could see people were basically declaring what they were going to be doing. So it was actually kind of fun. I like the flexibility of doing that, and in a way you know, just kind of opening up a lot more flex spots makes it kind of like that. It makes it a less rigid version of that, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And and I think also in this conversation we can have, we can talk about the roster construction because I am a fan of the multi-flex thing. I think last year in flex, I might've done the four running back situation. Maybe it was like, Four of my five picks were running backs. I really dominated that position, uh, though struggled at wide receiver when you think it's deep. But we can talk about, you know, league construction across the board. Do want to remind everybody, you can go to theathletic.com and pick up a subscription where you can get access 
to Jake's ranks because that is what you want. The projections, you can mess with the stuff. It's the best thing to do. Let's talk about the strategies. Um, I guess you could arguably say there's others. I just kind of cherry pick the things that I think about. And I think let's start in the running back space. And Brandon, let's let's talk about this. I'm actually really curious because I do think there's a, some, a way we could blow this up. And I don't want to blow it up necessarily, but I also kind of want to ask the question at the top of like, do you even believe in strategy? So let's do that for a second. Don't blow up our entire time, sh- our show sheet or anything like that. But you know, do you actually believe you want to take certain strategies in? Or if, you know, let's say you got 10 leagues or 12 leagues you're doing in a, in a year, are you going to jump into maybe a specific league going, oh, I am going to do a heavy running back or I am going to go, you know, running back or wide receiver. Do you believe in pre drafting strategies? No, I think you kind of said it early on when you you played the, oh, I don't believe it. I'm, I'm pretty much a strategy agnostic kind of person going in. I will say the deeper the league, the more important it is to kind of know, okay, this is what's going to happen and I need to be prepared and I need to make sure I set myself up well for later in the draft, you know, when depth issues. But if you're playing like a, you know, a half PPR 12-team league, I don't think there's any reason to have a strategy. I don't think there's any reason to do anything but take the best to play available player on the board because, honestly, I even if you're running a three-wide receiver, two running back, and a flex setup in a 12-team league, I think you can pull, you know, even if you want to go two running backs early because that's the best available that landed to you, I think you can still pull out three solid wide receivers and get a good flex. And as you get deeper, I think it's a little bit more of like, okay, I need to be mindful of this is where the depth pool kind of hits a wall and I don't want to be stuck pulling from that area. But yeah, most of the time I'm just fully agnostic going in. Jake, kind of the same thing, like not to, again, to blow up the sheet, but do you, and maybe also league specific type of stuff aside, like obviously a super flex, you're going to go more quarterbacks. Do you ever experiment? Do you ever kind of get down with any of these strategies we're going to talk about? Is there one that you mess around with or are you the same? Are you a little strategy agnostic and just, you know, go by what you know and uh, adjust on the fly? Uh, so I, I enjoy my strategy. It's been for years. Our good friend Chris Vaccaro was the one that like, came out with better. It was like back when everybody was like, zero RB. And I was like, well, one RB, question mark. And he hashtag bell cow RB, which I always like bell cow RB. But bell cow, I know a lot of people go by hero RB now because the bell cow kind of trips them up. They think of like a running back getting 20 carries. But like bell cow for fantasy is guaranteeing that you're getting somebody with the kind of volume and workload. It's like Austin Eckler doesn't get 20 carries regularly. Uh, you could get somebody who gets you what I see as bell cow RB is I know I'm getting double digit fantasy points every single week. Mid double digit, potentially 20 plus. There's about 10, 11, 12 every single year that you can count on to be those kind of running backs. Uh, Obviously the top end are better, but that's the group. I want one. I want one in the first two rounds. That being said, as what you pull the agnostic term, as I said, (laughs) there's a little bit in there because I'm not going to be so beholden to it that I ignore value. I was in our mock draft. Funston knows this. I sat there, ninth pick, Cooper Cup. Or wait, no, 12th pick. Was it Cooper Cup? I don't know. It was at the end of the first round. I did another draft too. I'm sorry, maybe mixing them up. But I took Cooper Cup because I'm like, I can't ignore the value. And that's my point. It's like, you can be you can be ready to adapt, but also have a plan going in. You can say, I want a bell cow running back in the first two rounds. But if the board's staring at you and you're near the turn and Tyreek Hill's still there and somehow Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase, one of the, you know, two of those three, it kind of be nuts to pass on them just to say, I got to get my running back. 
especially um, something that Funston kind of alluded to. But like, if you're going to be tapping into another tier, you know, if you're saying like, let's say the first round you have the 11th pick, it's 10 out of 11 or nine out of 10 picks have been running backs. So your choice is now Cooper Cup or a running back. Why would you drop that far down the running back depth chart just to take what you want? You want to get your running back. So I won't ignore value. I've started drafts three wide receivers in a row. I didn't love it, but I did it because that's what made the most sense. Well, let's go through these. And, you know, it's somebody that I probably mock, I feel like maybe more than most, or at least on air on my ITL pod, you know, we do 12 to 14 mocks a year and then we're doing it on other shows. So I do a lot of mocks. So I feel like I'm more prone to see strategies. And I think that is the best time and place to approach these type of things. Cause then you can really learn about what they look like. And then instead of being rigid about them, you can just kind of self-apply them as the drafts go on. You can be like, oh, the draft is coming to me this way. I'm starting to maybe build it like this. So the first one, let's call it double bell cow then, or double hero. It's the dual hero here where it's RB, RB. The main question is yay or nay on RB. Do you have a firm feeling of yes or no going into a draft that you would want maybe more than anything else to start RBRB this year. Jake, let's start with you. I don't ever want to be like, I'm definitely going RBRB. But if I'm at the end of the first round, there's a good chance I'll end up going RBRB. Because at the end of the first round at this point, the Cup Jefferson chase are usually gone. So I just brought up, I don't have a problem with Hill or Adams there. But usually if those three are gone, which probably also includes somebody taking Travis Kelsey at six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. So now you're talking about you've only dipped into five, six running backs, and that's why I don't have a problem, especially at the end of the first round, 10th, 11th, 12th pick. You can immediately go Chubb Henry, Chubb Pollard, Chubb Stevenson, like anything, and I, you know, I keep throwing out Chubb because he's like at the end of the first round. You've actually even seen like people like Vlad Sedler is like tweeting out like, thank you for Saquon Barkley at pick four of the second round. <laughs> uh, so you know the, those kind of drafts where you're at the end of the first round, um, I could see going RB, RB. But if I'm at the first half of the first round, there's a very slim chance unless a Barkley or a Henry or somebody fell all the way to the end of the sixth round, then I might. But they're, they're not they're not normally making it that far. So I'll double tap running back if I'm getting two within the side of the top 10. So give me your combo real quick. Well, give me your ideal RB, my RB ideal combo. combo. Yep. If I could get the my ideal would be Chubb Barkley at the turn. Like realistic, maybe maybe a little bit more. That realistic. is realistic. <laughs> that is no, there. That in ADP, Barkley. that's realistic. I I mean, I'm seeing on like ECR Saquon in half PPR is the fourth RB. Um, the Nick ADP, Chubb one he's is tenth little, overall. Yeah, I okay. I suppose. Well, I did ask you the question. Okay, so you can have it. Fine, yeah, you, you can have Barkley and Chubb. That is <laughs> Nick your Chubb ideal is fifteenth overall. I'm giving the ADPs. Okay, so there you go. Point. Okay, so Brandon, same thing. <laughs> RB, RB. You said ideal. I know. I know. I know. I, I probably only get that twenty percent of the time. If I pick, if I picked eleventh or twelfth, every single draft, the Barkley Chubb thing probably only happens twenty percent of the time. But that's why you answered ideal. That's what do you I think your fifty percent looks like? Fifty to sixty percent. We're pro- Ideal. Would probably be it won't be Barkley. It would probably be Chubb, mm, Chubb Henry, Chubb Pollard, something like Chubb Pollard would probably be the fifty percent. Brandon, your comfortability with the RB RB bell cow bell cow strategy. Um, will you dive into it? Are you firmly against it because of the need at wide receiver? And if you are into it, what does that combo look like? It's funny, Jake went the opposite of what I was going to say. Like I would be a little bit more leery unless. You know, there was a nice drop, like someone like Nick Chubb dropped into the second round. If I'm picking towards the end of the first round and I could go 
a running back I love in the first round and then get Nick Chubb early in the second round. I'm all over that. But I was thinking the more likely scenario is that you get Eckler or McCaffrey or one of the top three running backs in the first five picks and it comes back to you and there's a running back dangler at the end of the second round and you're looking at the wide receiver options and you're like, I kind of think that these four or five are the same. I'm going to take the running back here and then I'll get my running back or my wide receiver quickly. Who, who's the dangler? Yeah, I was about to say, what is it? Is that dangler Najee? I was going to say Najee, you know, Najee is the kind of that guy. Like you could get him at the very end of the of the second round and there could be, you know, that Alave, uh, Devontae Smith, you know, um, T. Higgins kind of guys that, that could be available still. And then you're just like, okay, if I take Najee here, I'm probably going to get one of those three, four wide receivers that I like in this group, and I'll take whoever falls to me. But okay. your idea, let me guess, your ideal would be if Stevenson is still there, wouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, see, I, yeah. I, I think the thing that take is taking you, Brandon, out of maybe the RBRB is what that first RB is. Like the sound of what you're talking about is like you. I feel like you're putting back in first round RBs as your second RB. So that means you must really want, and it, that first one's got to be one of those top guys. You got to have like a high end RB in the first McCaffrey round. Or Eckler. Yeah, it's actually. Yeah. I think honestly, oh, I, sorry, I start this. Funston, I was yeah. going to say the only re- go ahead. The only reason I wouldn't do it because I didn't think of. I agree with you, Funston. McCaffrey Stevenson would love it. If you could start me McCaffrey Stevenson every single draft, I would absolutely do it. My issue is we talked about it. I think it was either the last show or the show before that. I'm I'm off Eckler at the top three, four picks. I'm going the wide receivers there. So like that's why it didn't come to my mind because if I'm at two or three, I'm not taking Eckler. So I don't I already don't have a running back to say. But it could be that it's Jonathan Taylor and Stevenson, and maybe you're getting Jonathan Taylor at three or four overall, and then Stevenson. I don't even want to take him there. Steven, Stevenson falls to like 19, and then you you see four, you know, four or five wide receivers yeah. that you kind of like. But we talked about it. I'm going. I'm going CMC and triple tapping wide receiver this year. This is this is anomalous for me, but I'm hero hero RB. It rhymes with zero, so it, it kind of makes sense as a yin yang <laughs> of you know strategies. Speaking, Speaking of, let's talk about said zero running back strategy, which I definitely has cooled off over the years, but there's they're still out there. They're still going. So, Brandon, let's start with you on this one. I'm going to do a two-parter here, especially when, when and if you say no. Will you partake in a no running back strategy? Yes or no, whatever your answer is, what do you believe that cutoff to the no running back strategy looks like? Um, I kind of feel like the cutoff is Ramondre Stevenson. I would, if I, if I'm picking at the very end of like a 12, 12 team league, I could see it going McCaffrey to Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry range. And then like there's Ramondre Stevenson. If I start getting into Brees Hall, big question mark in the first round, Najee Harris, meh, kind of year last year, uh, like I would probably go and that, that would just mean that there would be two of those top wide receivers sitting there at the end of the first round, uh, most likely. I mean, I throw Stephon Diggs in there, Devontae Adams. You go to like, you know, a solid six, maybe even seven deep at the wide receiver. If those first nine, if Ramondre Stevenson goes off, you know, and you're looking at, you know, for some reason wide receivers fall, like I guess then I'm just, I'm pivoting. But, I, you know, I just think those, you take those nine, ten running backs, you take those six wide receivers, and I'm mixing and matching all day long. So I don't really oh. care. Okay, so, but that's not really like the the real like the the question is the no RB because like if you take two wide receivers in the first round and then you take a wide receiver in the third round, 
that's not no running back. That you're just you're just pushing it down a little bit. The true no running back would be something along the lines of fourth or fifth round is where you start to dip in. Is that something that you can I get down? I think it's fifth. I yeah, think I think I do think it's fifth idea. as well. The idea of the zero RB, I think they, people need to process in their heads would be pretend you're not taking a running back until the fifth. Because yeah, like like two or three wide not, receivers tied in, maybe a quarterback. You're no, it's those. three wide receivers. It's three wide yeah. receivers and something else. It's three wide receivers and tight end. It's three wide receivers and quarterback. But it's potentially four wide receivers. But uh, if you want to talk about that, because your first running back has to be the dead zone. And Fonson's shaking his head because you're going to say no. There's no way on earth you're doing that, right? Uh, there's no way. It's like speaking another language to me. Like, I'm sorry. I just don't understand. Like, <laughs> I know the zero RB is a thing, but I don't I don't want to wade in those waters. I really don't. Like, I just can't. I have a hard time, you know, going thinking I'm going to go through a draft for four or five rounds where a running back just doesn't seem like a very obvious play. You know, like there's going to be at some point before that where I'm like, why would I let him fall just to push this, you know, this further wide receiver narrative here? It's tough to stomach. So, Jake, can you get (laughs) down with it? And why don't you tell us what do you think the, the starting no running backs look like? Because we're talking about the fifth round, like you said. You're right about that. That is probably the start of when you can justify this looking as a no-running-back strategy, which means, you know, I mean, I'll let you speak to it, but I can see what some of those names are. So will you partake, and what do no-running-back starters look like for you? Yeah, so no way on earth, never. And (laughs) I I just mentioned, I've taken three wide receivers to start, but that fourth round was a running back. Yeah. or I've taken two and then a running back, running back. It's just there's no way because the game that everybody forgets is that, yeah, you can hit, but you're not the only person on the waiver wire. Like people, like just like zero RB worked and it actually worked. I'm not going to deny that. It worked when people were the only person in your league doing it. You were the only person waiting to running back until the fifth round, which still I wouldn't even do that. I would maybe start half running back like I don't even know what the word is right here because it's like you can get a running back in the third or fourth round so one in the fourth first four rounds whatever you want to call it but it worked because you were the only one that was really going heavy on the waiver wire and you're attacking and you got to remember the waiver wire hit rate what 20 percent of these running backs end up top 15 20 and that might even be generous uh, people always remember the good and they don't remember the bad and they don't remember chasing the Savon Ahmeds of the world. They don't remember chasing all these names and picking the wrong Denver running back and picking the wrong 49ers running back and Tyrion Davis Price and Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson and the 18 other options that they had. And you always guessed wrong anyway. Like that's the problem is people forget those. So there's no way I'm doing it. But to give you an idea of it, I mean, honestly, I think it starts with like you're talking DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. Like, those are your number one running backs. Sure, there's a world where the split happens at injury and they end up being a top 15 running back. I mean, Jamal Williams just was because, and that's why I bring those two up, is those are good examples. But Rashad Penny's, like, you're talking about split backfields. You're talking about risks for the running back themselves. And that's why I don't want to do it because you've already added all this risk. And the best comparison I can say is you've already started your running back starters with this gamble that you play on waiver wire. Like you've already started the waiver wire game to start your team. You've already begun that process. Yeah. And you might be looking at like DeAndre Swift and James Cook, which might not sound like someone might be like, you know, that's actually not bad. You know, you got good wide receiver. You really had to hit on your wide receivers. Probably in that 
case scenario as well, you probably need to have one of those tight ends. This had to have been like a Kelsey build or an Andrews or something like that. It's it's a tough pill to swallow because you also then have to go heavy. Maybe you're taking AJ Dillon as your third and you're counting on a whole lot, but people still live and die by this strategy, even to this day, even though it is kind of cooled down. Let's go over to wide receivers. And I actually think we can pit these up against each other where I think you guys have already alluded to the more willingness to go wide receiver, wide receiver versus a late round wide receiver. So let me do this. You guys can inter- intertwine your going to wide receiver strategies together. Brandon, I'll start with you. But the question in two wide outs versus almost like a no wide receiver strategy is, is wide receiver deep enough to wait on the position into the later rounds where you could take your first wide out in the fourth round or fifth round? Yeah, I would be, I mean, just coming off the, you know, the, what have you done for me lately? The recency bias, like I just found, you know, if you're starting 36 wide receivers in a league versus 24 running backs and the flex is whatever you want. I just think there is like the, the running backs from like 25 to 35 were in my mind, a lot more reliable than like that 40th wide receiver and beyond last year. I, I I don't know if I brought this up before, but last year in a, you know, in a pretty standard 12 team league, I was having a lot harder time finding wide receivers that could give me consistent week in and week out production. And I traded Najee Harris for Alan Lazard fairly late in the year. And that was when Najee suddenly decided to turn it around. But um, like, I was just looking for anything at wide receiver. And so I feel like, you know, there's the alphas and, and and then the number two receivers on strong passing teams. And then you're kind of in like this wasteland where you get where you get a guy that will have a good week and then he'll do nothing the next week. And then it's just all over the map. And I think at least with the running backs in that range, you're getting a, a safer floor because you know what their role is. You know, they're a split back maybe, but they also handle the passing duties and like you're kind of feeling like a more of a comfort with what you're going to get as opposed to when you get past wide receiver 40 into the 50 range, you're kind of getting a dice roll. And so I don't want to be in that position again. I wouldn't do this either. If I, <laughs> if I were to ask you, what are you more likely to do? Uh, the double hero running back or double hero wide receiver? Two wide outs or two running backs? What is more likely in your world you would start a draft? Uh, I probably double running back. Um, but I do like, I do like the depth that running back in the range where I could come back if I went wide receiver, wide receiver and go running back, running back. Like I do kind of like the third and fourth round running backs, which is, you know, kind of the dead zone, but I kind of like the dead zone this year. Jake, we know that high end wide receivers are good. Is the position in your mind deep enough where you could start to dip in and be like, Drake London is my number one or you know, Tyler, maybe it's Drake London and um, Tyler Lockett are my one, two. Do you think the position is deep enough to get into a later wide receiver strategy or no? No, mostly because Fonston touched on it. It's there's values and there's a lot of hits, but you know, I think the comparison is that we're talking about these sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round wide receivers. But the reason we had the conversation about why we won't do zero running back is because that's kind of a similar, it's basically zero wide receiver. And the fact that they are later rounds than when you hit on zero, like, so zero running back, maybe the end of the fourth round, but like fifth, six, but now you're talking about two rounds later, seven, eight, nine, you're doing the same thing in a, just a different position. Like you're kind of like, so, cause 
it's just that wide receiver is deeper. You start more and everything, so you just pull, push it down. But you might hit on 20, 30% of those guys, but you don't want them as your top three starters. You don't want all to be encompassed with that. And then like maybe you go one and touch on it later. But you know, if you ask the also the question, would you more likely go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back, probably double running back. But even if I went double wide receiver, I think it's not too far behind because in the third round, I'm probably taking a running back. And where uh, I know, and I'm not coming and disagreeing with Funston on this because I see a lot of people agree with him on this. I just disagree with the sentiment overall. I don't think the dead zone of running back starts at the end of the third round. Like everybody's like, oh, it's, and I know that Funston wasn't saying definitively that's what it is. I think if you say the dead zone of running back, the dead zone of running back for me, at least, at least in my definition, is once you start getting past the starters slash leads of backfields, the dead zone is people that you've already talked about, like James Conner is dead zone, in my opinion. DeAndre Swift, you mentioned it before, Jamal Williams, uh, even like Dalvin Cook as he is today, like that hangout. You're talking about you're baking in like 50% risk with these guys. That's like dead zone. I don't think a Jameer Gibbs and a Miles Sanders and an Aaron Jones are dead zone, but some people call them that. I don't think that's right. I don't think a top I don't think running I don't back. think right now Rashad White's a dead zone. I think he might be the end of the uh, alive zone. But I, I Yeah, I think I, I'd say anybody who's an RB2 isn't a dead zone running back. Because mm-hmm. you know, like, they could be an RB1. We're talking like in a case yeah. of Rashad White. What if they don't sign anybody that, else? Then he. That's he, actually a pretty good definitive argument for being okay with wide receiver wide receiver because you could then three because we're talking about that dead zone that you guys are pushing back against is in that three four round of where you could double tap those guys if you're comfortable yeah. with it uh, though it teeters the line uh the, the other little quick ones late round quarterback versus early quarterback this is so prominently been late quarterback for years and years and years the last two years have kind of pushed back a little bit. Jake, what is your take on uh, early versus late? And then I'd also be curious what your favorite early and favorite late quarterback is. Yes, I would say this is we've been doing it kind of tipped and dipped our toes in last year of getting back into drafting quarterbacks earlier. I have no problem doing it. I will take if I'm the dead end of the second round, like 10th, not 11, 12, because 11, 12, that make, kind of makes no sense. But 10th, because you want to avoid 11 or 12 doing the same thing to you. If you want to take whatever your number one quarterback is, if it's Hurts, like if you're at the 10th pick in the second round, you like to take him there. But basically the beginning of the third round, um, depending on, again, where you're drafting those top three quarterbacks, I would say the top three quarterbacks all have a warranted case to be in the third round. The next three, uh, for me, Jackson Fields and Burrow, all have cases to be in the fifth. And outside of that, once you get past those six, then I'm checking out. You might as well just X out Jake from taking a quarterback unless he's just like, you know, Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence got ignored and they, they're hanging around the ninth round. And it's kind of like, well, the, the value is just too good. But I'm pretty much at that point checking my brain off or, or turning my brain off, checking out and coming back around towards the end of the draft. And at the end of the draft, uh, we've talked about a couple of them in, they're, they're in the past shows, but like Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers for a bounce back, Anthony Richardson, has the Justin Fields upside, you know, to be a top six, seven quarterback, even with terrible passing numbers, if that happens. And then uh, my favorite bounce back is just Russell Wilson with Sean Payton back in, or not back in down, but Sean Payton under the helm at the head coaching position. I, I just, I think Russell Wilson's one of the best bounce back options you could have. Brennan, early versus late quarterbacks, and then your targets for the uh, early and late. Yeah, it sounds like we're talking like a 12 team, you know, non super flex setup. I, I would only. You know, I would just go with the big three if I'm going to reach early, and I'd be willing to do it. They were like two plus points better per game 
than everybody last year. And maybe you could talk yourself into Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, with an improved set of receivers and a different offense. Maybe he, you know, he could sneak in there a little bit closer. But I'm, if not, I'm probably in that setup waiting late and skipping a solid middle class where Justin Fields and even Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. I'm probably skipping that because, as Jake mentioned, Aaron Rodgers could be every bit as good as those guys. Um, I think Deshaun Watson will do a lot better. Geno Smith, you could argue, maybe doesn't have – maybe no quarterback has a better skill set at running back, a skill position group at running back and wide receiver than Seattle this year. I mean, he's loaded. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would be fine taking that. And the nice thing about that is you can also – you can double up with like a last pick on like, you know, in a 12-team league. You could go last pick and take Brock Purdy or something, you know, and, and just – gamble it's like what the hell it, it so you can you can play it that way and, and take two sh- two bites at the apple instead of one these are two quick pieces just quickly uh and this is on a league specific type of thing tight end premium scott fishbowl's going on tight end premium do you attack the tight end early or wait brandon start with you uh yeah i mean if i was travis kelsey goes top five in scott fishbowl and i you know I, it makes sense at that point, I was just like, okay, I'm not worrying about it. But then I did take George Kittle in the fifth round because TJ Hawkinson had already gone the round earlier. And I was like, okay, I, I like – that's kind of where I'm at. That's like he, he – it's a TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle. If I if I didn't have a nice value on Kittle right there, I was going to wait and go with like a Konkwu at the end or towards the end uh, at the right time. Someone that I liked kind of in the back end of the tight end one class that I feel like has some room – for you know, middle of the tight end or upper tight end one upside. Um, but yeah, I really like Kittle. So if he stays healthy, I think he could be a he could he could battle with Mark Andrews for number two, you know, at the tight end position. Jake, are you trying to prioritize in a tight end premium league, whatever that looks like for listeners? Would you prioritize the tight end, knowing you get a little bit more of an advantage, or no? Uh, no, you're about to get the best Jake answer. I think you're going to say is, uh, I scoffed because just go read the article on the athletic. I hate tight end premium. And I refuse to play in tight end premium. All it does is inflate that top tier into the second tier a little bit. And people like, if you go look at the numbers, it doesn't make the position more valuable It inflates how big of an advantage you have in taking a Kelsey or Andrews or somebody like that. So I refuse just like kickers. I, I just, you play in tight end premium. I'm out. That was why I was asking Scott Fishbowl. You did tight end premium and then artificially inflated kickers to try and make them as valuable at quarterback. Like, what are you, what is, what are we even doing here? Kudos to everybody that's in Scott Fishbowl. I hope you have a lot of fun. But the that's me. Like, I'm giving. No, I'm I'm giving away my spot. Like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, yeah, enjoy that nonsense. I don't. I'm also not in tight end kicker. I'm not into tight end premium as well. Mm-hmm. All right, let me do the last one real quick. I agree. Super by flex. the way, with Jake. Jake, I just have a higher tolerance for these annoying things, and I just still <laughs> yeah. Do and it. I, I I'm a masochist. Plus, it's as well. just friendlier. That's really what it comes. <laughs> <laughs> super flex quarterbacks what is your approach in the first four rounds do you have two quarterbacks jake are you going to take the extra premium in quarterbacks in the super flex early or are you going to play it out wait and you know get a solid guy at the top and a guy later so it's really it's about first four rounds how many quarterbacks do you have 
Ideally, I do. Ideally, I have two quarterbacks in the first four rounds. Uh, there's been drafts where it hasn't happened just because of where it fell and it just made things tough. And you kind of play to Funston's point about the conversation earlier where you're playing catch up the entire year. Like I've done it where my second quarterback ended up being like last year's Trey Lance. And then I took a flyer as a third because I'm like, oh God, I need a third quarterback. Like I, and you need that. And that's what happens is you end up taking your third quarterback and there's only a handful because you play 12 teams, super flex, 24 are going because everybody wants to start two quarterbacks because that's what you want to do. So if you just look at it, there's only a handful left for everybody else to get as a potential third quarterback that actually have starting jobs. And then you end up potentially reaching on that. And then if you miss out on one, you could be starting week one as just one quarterback. So ideally I want to, and I'll give you the one deeper answer for that. If I'm playing a super flex, my goal is to come out with two of the top 15 quarterbacks. Some years it might be 14, some years it might be 16, but on average, I would love to have two inside the top 15, whether it's top and bottom and shout out, Joe Pizapia always says this relative position value. I will also one more thing thrown into this. Do not draft Jalen Hurts and then wait to make your second quarterback Kirk Cousins. You've given yourself an advantage by having a top three quarterback. Don't throw that advantage out the window with what you paid in draft capital to turn around and have the average quarterback starting duo, just like everybody else. If you have Jalen Hurts, you want to double dip and get like a Probably a top 12 second quarterback, unless you just threw your advantage out the window. I couldn't agree more. Brandon, uh, well, priority I'm, I'm, quarterback in Superflex on the first couple rounds. I'm sitting yes in no. the Scott Fishbowl with one quarterback going into the sixth round, and I'm sweating it because I'm now looking <laughs> at Jordan Love, Matt Stafford, um, <laughs> And crap. I mean, that's it. it. (laughs) And crap. And crap. I mean, I'm going to hope for Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter as my number three quarterback here. And um, they might be, they might even be more important to me than that. So, yeah, I, it's just kind of the way things went. And I, I don't like the position I'm in, preferably. I think two in the first five maybe makes, uh, you know, is, is probably as low as you should go. I'm two and I'm, I'm looking at, my second quarterback here in the sixth round is going to be garbage. I'm actually hoping for Matt Stafford a lot right now. So I'm a, f- a few picks away. Yeah. We'll see what goes Just on. Just take another kicker. Yeah. There you go. More <laughs> kicker. Get more points. I'm a two in the first three type of guy in Superflex. Those are draft strategies. There's tons out there. You guys could tweet at us. Let us know if you've got some draft strategies, maybe ones we didn't cover. I think those are a lot of the big basics. But at the end of the day, it is just knowing the best strategy might be knowing the player pool, understanding relative draft value. I'm not trying to preach ADP or anything like that, but understanding the people you're drafting with, understanding the pool and understanding the players the best so you can adjust. That's the best strategy overall than being a stringent person on one or the other. Uh, You guys can find all of Jake's great stuff over at The Athletic. Go and check out over there. Click on one of the links. Two bucks a month. You get locked in. You get hooked up. Want you guys to have the best fantasy football year. And Jake will be one of those that will help you. And we will try to do it here as well on the podcast. So make sure you are subscribed. We're back weekly. And we're talking conference breakdowns. Divisional breakdowns coming up talking about the west the east the north the south we're doing all of those and we'll be getting into all the other draft prep as the season goes on so for jake and brandon i am welsh and we will talk to you guys next time right here on the athletic fantasy football podcast